Rachel, it's great to have you back. So glad you and the family are well. And uh, yes, I'm impressed you can do that. So I, I want to say thank you again. You know, many of you know, uh, right? It, it, we had COVID sweep through our family. Rachel uh, had the same, and and um, some of you have had it as well. And so thank you for praying. And it, it's so good to be back. It's good to have Rachel back. And um, if you're at home and and you're still battling through, just know that that we're praying for you. So. Um, as we jump in this morning, I do want to ask you a question that, that may seem a little weird uh, for church, but uh, let's, let's chat it up anyway, just so we all know. Uh, so here's the question. You know, I, people are different, right? They, they come at different things. Some people are Coke people. Some people are Pepsi people, right? Right, right. Some people, you know, it, they, just, they just have their preferences, right? Like, like some people are dog people and some people are cat people. Have you noticed? You know, you know this to be true? So I just got to know, how many of you are dog people? All right, how many of you are cat people? All right, so there are more dog people than cat people here today. So I'm going to tell you the best cat story I know. I don't know whether it's going to apply to you or not. Uh, my favorite cat story, I think I got to thinking about it today and a little bit this week. Uh, my favorite cat story, I grew up with cats and dogs. I grew up with some of both. Um, but I, I, I got a lot of things. I mean, we had a, we had a cat named Dog. I don't know if that helps. Um, but literally, we had a cat named Dog. I watched him go toe-to-toe with dogs and win. And he's uh, the strongest, toughest cat. I knew he was an outdoor cat. Uh, he would disappear sometime. We had another cat named Critter. Uh, he would disappear for sometimes weeks, like the kind of time where you started to worry that with an outdoor cat, like, like maybe he ran into something or something ran in to him, and uh, he'd always come limping back, you know, I mean, beat up, tossed up. It reminded me of the time I went to the zoo. I don't remember, uh, Marcy would remember, but I don't, if this was in Denver or if this was in Colorado Springs, but we went to the zoo, and the kids were younger, and you know, you have the big cat exhibits, and, and the big cat exhibits are always fun at the zoo, but you always feel like there's the big cats, and then there's you. Right? It's not like you get up close and personal with the big cats at all. Um, the exhibits are pretty large. They need good room to move around. Usually expect that. You come up on the lions, and they're like, okay, anybody see any lions? You know, I mean, you're looking around. You're trying to find them. They're up on a hill over there. More than not, they're asleep. I don't know if you know this. You go to the zoo. More than not, the big cats are asleep. And uh, so anyway, we were at one of these zoos in Colorado, and... We were at the, I think it was the tiger exhibit. It was one of the big cats, definitely one of the lions. I think it was the tigers. And we're at this glass panel that's just, you know, glass about that thick, so you can't get in and the cat can't get to you. But big glass panel, and we're going, where is? And, and this tiger came fairly close to this glass panel, and I made eye contact with the tiger. And I started thinking, like, you know, I should have had Eye of the Tiger music right now. That would have been sweet. That would have, you know, like that was in my brain though, you know. Oh, yeah. And the cat took offense to my eye contact. And he charged the glass and paws up on the glass. And I'm at the glass. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. <clears throat> 
thankful for glass. I'll say it that way. I mean, zoos are fun to visit, but I don't know how I'd have felt if I were on the other side. I don't think I'd be here today to talk to you about it if I were on the other side. I want to go to everybody's favorite cat story in the Bible. We'll be in Daniel chapter 6. You might remember what seems like ages ago. Of course, last week I told you that I'd been out with COVID for months when I meant weeks, but it felt like months. And uh, I missed a few weeks with COVID. And uh, back in September, October, we began a series in the book of Daniel. We made it through Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. You might remember Daniel 5 is the story of uh, the handwriting on the wall, right, is King Belshazzar, and uh, he's a very prideful king, and, and uh, you might remember, I mean, it ends, like Daniel chapter 5, verse 30 ends, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. This is fairly significant because it's telling us that Daniel has now outlasted a lot of other rulers. Remember, Daniel was taken as a teenager into captivity, meaning that, um, to put it in modern-day terms, he was trafficked as a child. He was taken as a prisoner of war, taken to a land not his home, and forced to serve a king. If you think the child trafficking thing is too much of an accusation, there's great reason to believe that he and all of his buddies were... <clears throat> removed of their parts. Can we just say it that way? Um, so that they were no threat to the king and the king's women and things of that nature. And Daniel had every reason to hate Nebuchadnezzar and every reason to hate the people he served, and he didn't. Flat out, he didn't. Now, did he pray for God to come? Did he pray for God to take his, his people back home? Absolutely. We'll see that more as we work our way through the book of Daniel. But here he is serving again. And so now what you're finding is that Daniel has served king after king and now kingdom after kingdom. In fact, he's going to outlive multiple kingdoms in serving multiple kings. And we end up in Daniel chapter 6 in this super interesting place where you have Daniel sort of, to use TV terminology, you know, outwitting, outplaying, outlasting, right? Sort of, he's the survivor of these kingdoms. And it says, Daniel 6, verse 1, that it pleased Darius, who is king over the, the, the Medo-Persian kingdom, at this point, Medo kingdom for sure, media, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule out the kingdom, throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them. I sort of wonder if we wouldn't be a little better off these days if we didn't have 120 satraps with three administrators instead of like four billion people. Whole other. You get the idea. I mean, these are the government officials, right, that administrate the kingdom. Have you noticed that when the government's involved, politics is involved? I mean, just... When power's involved, politics is involved. When, when politics is involved, lions are involved. Can we say it that way? I mean, in our country, we talk about, uh, I think we talked about this last week, elephants and donkeys, right? But they might as well all be lions. And I would suggest to you that part of the reason that Daniel's fine when he's in the lion's den is that he's been in a lion's den for decades. Because politics is a lion's den, if you think about it. 
So the 120 satraps ruled throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, of whom one was Daniel. So he's one of three who helped rule over the kingdom. And the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, you know how politics works. Your best friend in politics sees you promoted. You're suddenly an adversary because now you're moving on up. I think it's worth noting what that verse said. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I think sometimes when we're young in our life, I'm still young, can I say that? All right, if I'm still young, you're still young. We're just going to say we're all young. Let's go with that. So when we're young in our life and our journey, we tend to think we want what we want and we want it now. So we start to like at work or with a club we're involved with or in some social circle we run with or, or some group of people, we, we're, we're working towards influence, right? We, we want to influence at work. We want to influence at school. We want to influence at church. We, we want to influence others, if you will. Daniel's story is certainly a good reminder that if we want to become influential, we have to become invaluable. That Daniel so distinguished himself among the leaders, right? He had to prove himself a bit, and he had by this point. In fact, it's worth noting, Daniel is not a young man in the story we're reading today about the lions and the lion's den. Daniel is likely in his 80s at this point. Some would say he was in his 70s at this point. Either way, by my standards, he's still a young man. But by most standards, Daniel's well along in years. He has served for decades in this foreign land. It helps when you look down in your Bible if the page didn't turn itself. And because I'm suddenly reading and I'm lost because I, I, what? So Daniel distinguished himself. You get the idea. At this, verse 4 the whole, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, and he was neither corrupt nor negligent. You realize we could camp out on that verse for quite a while, and we actually are for a while today, but we could camp out there for a while. I mean, what would it take to go into the Senate or the House of Representatives today and just talk about that verse? Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. In other words, Daniel already had a reputation for observing his faith, his God, the law of his God. He was following, we would call the law, right? We, we, we have here, right? We would call it the scriptures. So Daniel's living out his faith according to the scriptures, worshiping his God. 
And they say, hey, we're not going to find anything wrong. He's not corrupt. He's not negligent. He's trustworthy. I mean, who recruited this man into politics like this? So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, and I want you to notice their words, may King Darius live forever. Right? There's, no, there's no ego appeal there, is there? Oh, king, may you live forever. And now this was actually how you were pretty much required to greet the king. Daniel greets him this way later. The royal administrators, prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the Republicans, the Democrats, right? All right you get the idea. The governors, all the different levels of government, this is what they're telling him. All of the levels have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, I honestly think when we make our way through the rest of the story that Darius was already quite familiar with Daniel's faith. Because remember, Daniel distinguished himself. He had this reputation, right? The king already intended to promote Daniel over everyone else. So Daniel's faith is of no surprise to King Darius, but this edict would be an affront to Daniel's faith, right? And King Darius, being the shrewd leader that he is, just said, Okay. They let the crowd lead him where the crowd wanted to go. He just said, uh-huh. Sounds good, boys. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law, the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. One of the aspects of their laws was that when you put something into writing, they couldn't repeal it, you couldn't, and they're just reflecting that. They're saying, do it, do it now. Verse 9, you get the speed of this. So King Darius, without really thinking about it, put the decree in writing. Of course, he was told that everybody was okay with this, that all the government officials He's presuming that Daniel's okay with this. What he should know about Daniel is that Daniel would not be okay with this. But he doesn't think it through, which we'll get into. And King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, what did Daniel do? You know the story, right? He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem I would suggest to you that he's, he's really, he's, he's, he's living out Second Chronicles, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, right? I'll hear them, I'll forgive them, right? Daniel's doing what he's been prescribed according to his law to do, I'll heal their land. This is about Daniel appealing that God would take his people home. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, remember, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, giving thanks to his God. Here's the, the key part of that verse, I think, just as he'd done before, as it was predictable. The satraps, the administrators, the governors, they all, all these people who wanted Daniel taken down knew this is what Daniel was going to do. The king should have known this is what Daniel's going to do, and he later regrets it. 
And so you know this rest of the story, right? I'm not going to read the rest of the story today. We're actually not going to have time to make it through all of Daniel 6 today. We'll come back to more of it next week. I'm not sure quite how many weeks we're going to be here because Daniel 6 is, is such a key part of understanding the book. But beyond that, it's also such a beloved story that I hate to rush through it. But Daniel prays. They come. They catch him. They seize Daniel. The king has to order him thrown into the lion's den. They place the stone over the entrance to the lion's den. <laughs> Basically, it says, so that Daniel's circumstances might not be altered. Really? Might not be changed. Really? And we'll get into that part as we get there. But let's stop here today because this story is really, if you think about it, full of contrasts, full of contrasts. There's courage versus fear. There's poor choices versus good choices. The choices of Darius and the choices of Daniel. There's integrity versus corruption. Success versus faithfulness. There's responding versus reacting. There's getting what God wants and there's getting what you want. There's a lot of contrast in the story, but the bottom line, I really think, is that the core of what this is telling us about Daniel is that Daniel was a man of integrity. He was also a man of faith and a man of faithfulness. And we'll dig into his faith and his faithfulness next Sunday. But he was a man of integrity. He said what he meant. He meant what he said. He was, how did it say it? Trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent, that he had a character that would honor God, and it was a character built over time. So I guess the question I want to ask today is, how can you and I be people of integrity? What can we do to develop a character less like, <laughs> I'm going to put it in terms of me, less like I already am and more like Daniel. That's not to say that Daniel is the hero of the Bible. I mean, he is a hero of the faith, but he is not the hero of the faith. I'm not saying don't be like Jesus. I'm not saying be more like Daniel than be like Jesus. I'm clearly saying be like Daniel who is like Jesus. In fact, if you think about it, Daniel is one of the few leaders in the Bible about whom nothing negative is said about them. I promise you, we got whole books of the Bible dedicated to the leaders, right? First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the Psalms to a degree, a bunch of other places, the prophets, all about, and Daniel is one of the few. I mean, you can count them on maybe more than two hands, but not very many hands, the number of people in the Bible about whom nothing negative is said about them. Daniel is a man of character, a man of integrity, and he was a man of influence. It's very popular today to want influence, and it's, it's nothing wrong with that. I'm just going to say that. Influence is, is largely about leadership, right? It's a, in, your, in your circle of friends, you have influence, right? In your, in your church circles, there are a lot of different people here who have influence, not just me, right? That that everywhere you go, somebody's influencing somebody else. In school, back in the day, you know, when you were young, 
You remember everybody was jockeying for influence. Now today, influence is gained in very different ways than it used to be years ago. In fact, today, everybody will tell you, just know this, just everybody. Who? Everybody. Who said this? Everybody. If you want influence today, you know what you need if you want to have influence today? The number one thing you need today if you want influence today, what do you need? You need a platform. You need a platform. A what? I'm supposed to build some structure? Dude, you are not young, you are old. Right? Right? You have a platform when you have TikTok and a billion followers. You have a platform when you have media and all these people who think you're great. And if you think about it, like flash in the pan kind of things come along, boom, 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 and they fade in and they fade out, kind of like these waves of COVID. Right? I mean, they're just in super quick, and then they're out super quick, and, and, and people end up with these platforms and influence. And I, I think about not just politicians, but people who enter into the, the, sort of the celebrity realm, and they end up with followers, if you will, and they say all these things, and people go, oh, well, because they're important. Daniel didn't build his influence that way. Is that fair to say? Say, the thing I want to convince you today is that if you and I want to stand out, whether it's at work or school with our friends, if it's in our neighborhood, if it's in our church, if it's in our small group, if it's anything involved in what we're doing here with faith or outside our walls with faith. In fact, I would say this is true of our church. If we want to stand out in our community and have an influence in our community, and we do, if I want to stand out, my advice is don't build a platform. Build a lifetime of character plus consistency plus competence. Character plus consistency plus competence. If I want to stand out, don't build a platform. Build a lifetime of character, consistency, and confidence. It turns out that integrity really in some simple sense, has a formula. And I, you know, I, I was weird back in the day. I actually liked math. I, even when they induced the alphabet into math, I thought it was kind of interesting because it was like puzzle solving. You know, so I liked math back in the day. And so formulas sort of work in my brain. If I want to stand out, don't worry about platforms. Don't worry about followers. If I want to stand out, don't worry about media and social media. If I want to stand out, what I'm suggesting is that instead of seeking what the world seeks for influence, that we do it God's way. If I want to stand out, don't build a platform, build a lifetime. A lifetime of what? A lifetime of character? A lifetime of consistency? A lifetime of competence. If you think about it, integrity is built over a lifetime, isn't it? I mean, name for me anybody you deeply, deeply respect. And I will tell you that they likely earned that respect over a long period of time. Fair? You know how quickly it can be lost? It's a moment, right? 
Right? And the Bible doesn't hide that. <laughs> Ask King David. Lost in a moment. In fact, I, honestly, I think David's lose it moment was before Bathsheba. But we'll save till we're teaching on David to get into exactly why David lost it. Daniel chapter 6 is instructing us that integrity is built slowly. That character is built over time. That God's not in the... <laughs> what you say, not a microwave? Yeah. That God is doing what he's doing, but I can guarantee you this, God's timing and man's timing, very different things. Our timing is always, almost always, like immediate, right? We want what we want and we want it yesterday. How many times in your life has God worked like that? God gave you exactly what you wanted and he gave it to you yesterday. That's just not God's way. God's got a way. God's way is slow. It's lifetime built. And again, there's a formula here. Character plus consistency plus competence. Verse 4, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of his govern governing affairs, but they were unable to do so because, now get this, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Character means that I am trustworthy, that I am true in my word. Character means that I am not corrupt, that I am true in my heart. We could say in my soul. Character means that I am not negligent. You could say that I am true in my work or my effort. I tried to convince my kids when they were younger that I was less concerned with the outcomes of the grades and more concerned with the effort that went into the work of the learning. I'm not sure if they heard me right all those years, and I'm never going to say that I got that all figured out in terms of being a dad, because I don't. But I really think that character means that we keep our word, that we're true in our word, that we protect our souls, that we're true in our hearts, and that our efforts are not negligent, that we're putting in the effort, if you will. Now, I say all that to say, you know how it falls short with that as a standard? All of us. All of us. I mean, although the Bible says nothing negative about Daniel, we're not to presume that he was sinless. Because Scripture is clear that only Jesus is sinless. What this is telling me, 
And I want to make sure we get this before we go back to the text and apply it. What I really want to make sure I get here is that if integrity is built over a lifetime and the formula is character and consistency and competence, I'm not trying to leave grace out of the equation. Because you have fallen short, would you agree? You will fall short again, would you agree? That's not to be an excuse. And frankly, a lot of us in American life particularly use this as an excuse. And we say, oh, you know what? I mean, I failed. I'm no good. I, 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 you know, I fell short. And so why try? Why get up? Why work at it? Why try to? Nobody has character. Right? I mean, literally, if you go to Washington, D.C., I think to be a person of character in Washington, D.C., there would be people who would say to you, like, what's the point? Why try? Why keep at it? You got to play the game. You've got to... My point would be that character is lost quickly. But grace is stronger than that loss. That the grace of Jesus can restore. That the grace of Jesus can rebuild. That they, now, it doesn't mean it'd be easy. That doesn't mean it won't take time. <laughs> Remember, God's time is not a microwave, right? It goes at God's speed. But God is in the restoration business. If you have read the rest of Scripture, you would know that it is telling us that we all need Jesus to be our Savior because we all fall short, because we are not true in our word, true in our souls, true in our efforts. Because we fall short in these ways, this points me to the fact that I need Jesus. But once I have Jesus, having him points me to live his way. Does that make sense? And so once I have him true to his word, not just my word, true to his heart, not just my heart, specifically his heart of grace and love, true to his sacrifices and servanthood, not just my efforts, that I am receiving grace, I am called to more, not less. I hope that makes sense. That said, I want to give you five choices for building a lifetime of integrity. Five choices. Number one, right out of the gate, I'm going to tell you that I need, these are choices again, I need to choose the right lifestyle. Number one, choose the right lifestyle. And the right lifestyle is faithful in the little things. Faithful in the little things. Do you notice that the book of Daniel didn't start with Daniel chapter 6? Probably seems obvious, but Daniel and the book of Daniel, the story of Daniel started in Daniel chapter... Right, right. I'm just, you guys are smart. I appreciate you filling me in. All right, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. You remember, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And you think Daniel knew when he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, where he wasn't going to corrupt his character, where he, where he wasn't going to live by the king's standards, he was going to live by God's standards. And We covered that way back then, and, and you have to go back and listen to that if you have no idea what I'm talking about, because that verse was very influential. But that verse largely explains 
verse 4 of Daniel 6, that he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel had been living this lifestyle for decades now. Again, he's in his 70s, he's in his 80s. I think he's, he's probably in his young to mid 80s at this point. He's, he's been living this way for a long time, faithful in the little things. See, Daniel decided when he was younger to be influenced more by God's truth than by everybody else's opinion. So that again explains verse 10. Why, when the decree is made, you should pray to nobody except, except Darius? Why, when the decree is given, that for 30 days you should give up your faith in any other God and pray only to the king as God? You probably don't want me to go down this road, but you do realize people worship their politics. Yeah, that pause is awkward, I know. I'm not calling out right or left, I'm calling out right and left. Because the book of Daniel is very prophetic. And we're not the only generation to worship power. Clearly, all these other administrators and satraps were worshiping power, their own, and literally called on their kingdom to worship their king. And Daniel said, no way, no how, because I worship God and God alone. That decision was made long, long, long before this ever came up, and again, Daniel's been dealing with the lions of politics long, long, long before he dealt with the actual lions. So I need to choose the right lifestyle and resist. I want to be faithful in the little things. I, I, I want to develop a lifestyle that says I refuse to play slip and slide with God's truth. Right lifestyle, that's the first choice. Second choice, choose the right perspective. Perspective is about how we see life, but choose the right perspective. And I got at this. I just want to reinforce it. The right perspective is character, not convenience. Character, not convenience. They could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Right? We are people who prefer easy over hard. We prefer now not later. We prefer tangible, not intangible. We prefer convenience, really, if you think about it. That as human beings, we are so driven by what's easy, by what is the path of least resistance. I was leaving Portland a day or two ago, and I had Google up, right? Google's telling me where, you know. And Google says, Hey, get off of this exit up ahead because if you've ever come down 205 out of Portland, you know that when you hit the southern part of 205 and you merge onto I-5 going south, that it is nothing but slow till you get south of Wilsonville. Doesn't matter the time of day. So I'm about a mile from a certain exit and Google says, hey, you want to take this way, not that way. Even though... It says on my little maps thing, estimated time is about the same. 
Now, you want to gamble on which way I took? Because I've driven that road many, many, many times. You have too, I know. I thought, maybe Google's right. I'm going to skip the 205 I-5 transition and try to get down the back way into Wilsonville. Did it save me any time? I doubt it. I don't know. But you give me a choice between the easy way, the fast way, the convenient way. Human nature says 99 out of 100 times you and I are going to take the fast, easy, convenient way, aren't we? Notice character isn't built that way. Character's built in a lifetime. And influence is built much that way. That if I want to stand out, don't build a platform. Don't just try to go on media and get a lot of followers. But build a lifetime of character, consistency, competence. Choose the right lifestyle. Choose the right perspective. Number three, I want you to choose the right heart. I want you to choose the right heart. And the right heart here is integrity, not insecurity. Integrity, not insecurity. Again, I'm just reinforcing what I've already said. <laughs> but the comparison here, the contrast here, is between these other leaders and Daniel, and to a degree between Darius and Daniel. Darius is the king of the land, but he is not the king of influence in the chapter, really, because he throws away his influence as king to these other leaders. He's also not the king of integrity. That would be Daniel, if you think about it. Verse 5 said, Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God, right? So they went to the king and they said, may the king live forever. All the levels of government, the administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors, etc., etc. We all agree that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that everyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So again, Daniel chose integrity. I want you to just think, how easy would it have been for Daniel to say, you know what, it's only 30 days. I mean, who's going to know? I mean, I can just go into my house. I can pray at different times. I can pray with the windows drawn or the curtains drawn, right? I mean, who's going to know what I do in my own home on my own time? Nobody has to know. This is how temptation works its way. The enemy does a great job of talking us into it. And frankly, the enemy doesn't have to talk us into things. We talk ourselves into it. Right? 30 days. 30 days isn't that long. I mean, God, you're asking me to give up the potential of the next decades of influence over 30 days? I mean, I'll just play slip and slide for 30 days. Daniel wasn't driven by slip and slides. Does that make sense? He was driven by integrity. Darius, on the other hand, is like, hey, what? Huh? Everybody prays to me? Like, I get to be God for 30 days? You notice that Darius was not only driven by his own ego, but he was driven by the opinion of the people. We call that, among other things, insecurity. Insecurity. And it's so easy to let insecurity drive our lives. And this probably seems like a no-brainer, but we choose insecurity in our decision-making 
all the time. Because anytime we're wrestling with, but what will people think? And this doesn't just apply to teenagers on social media, right? This applies to, to all of us as adults living our lives. What will other people think? What will everybody else think? It's far easier to be driven by insecurity than it is to live a long life of integrity. In a lot of senses, I'm asking, am I going to be a pretender or am I going to live by my identity? My identity says I am a child of the king, right? That king, not, not the one in Washington, D.C., not the one in media Persia, not the one Babylon, that I, I am a child of the king of kings. That's going to drive how I live. Identity, integrity. Not insecurity. Does it make sense? If you ever struggle with the word integrity, I want you to go back to another word. I, I, like, I like, you know, to think about words and how, how words are related. So the word integrity is related, now listen to it, to the word integer. You know that word, don't you? You have bad memory of it from algebra. I told you, I, I liked that weird season of life. Right? Anybody remember what an integer is? It's a good thing we took algebra, wasn't it? Right? Right? Here's what an integer is. It's a whole number. It's a whole number. It's a number that's not a fraction. Like, back in the day, I so wish they'd have had a word that meant not fraction. Because I would have understood that. There's fractions and there's not fractions. Oh, okay. Instead, they call it an integer. And we go, huh? And there's some test, and they're like, what's an integer? And you're like, uh, I don't know. One, two, three, four. And you're like, yeah, that's an example of an integer, right? They're whole numbers. Here's the key to that. An integer is a whole number. Daniel had a wholeness, a completeness, a solidness about who he was. That's integrity. Because he was whole. The reason he's whole is because of his worship of his God. And so there was no sense of him going to say, okay, I'm just going to make my faith private at this point, and I'm going to ignore the world. He just kept his faith public. He just kept doing what he had always done. Isn't that what it said in verse 10? This is sort of a growth step for a lot of us in our Christianity, that we like to put the curtain around our faith and live it, and we come in here, and we're okay with people knowing it, but out there, we don't, and I'm not saying that you got to be the street guy with the bullhorn yelling at people about how awful they are. I'm not saying be that at all. In fact, I, that's not my style of evangelism. I don't stand for that style of evangelism. I've talked with Warren about our ministry on the university campus. Like some days I want to go down to the university and hold a sign that says Jesus loves you and he's not that guy with an arrow that points at the bullhorn guy. But don't fault the bullhorn guy too much. He's at least trying to share his faith. I might disagree with him in his method or his tone. And I don't want to be sexist here. So her method or her tone. But I think there's significant influence when we live our faith 
and we live it with character and integrity in the way that people see it over long periods of time, what we're doing is we're building, we're building a lifetime of influence, a lifetime of integrity, not this sort of here today, gone tomorrow platform stuff. I got two more ideas. I want to make sure we land this thing. So let's be practical and let's be quick. Number four, choose the right motives or the right motivation. The right motivation. The right motivation here is Christ-honoring, not ego-fulfilling. I'm again trying to play the contrast here between Daniel and Darius, the king. Darius is driven by ego. These other people are driven by ego. They don't want, they don't want Daniel promoted. What's that about? Yeah, it's about self. It's about power. It's about ego. So Darius gives in to pride. He listens to the wrong advisors. He gives his word to something that really isn't worth it. And Darius, by the middle of the chapter, is regretting that he has done such a thing because he's afraid that he's put a death sentence on Daniel. And when we read the rest of the chapter, you'll see that next week. Daniel, on the other hand, trusts God to be the most important influence in his life and the most important advisor in his life. Daniel trusted God because Daniel knew God already instructed him about what to do in this situation, and he just lived that out. In other words, he just obeyed. Daniel stuck with spiritual habits that had been his lifetime of development, and he knew that they had a compounding effect on his life. God had rescued him from the lions plenty of times before. He was trusting God with the consequences of what was to come. Does that, does that all make sense? I mean, that's a very quick way of, like, I could do an entire sermon on just that concept of the importance of honoring God in our decision-making rather than honoring ourselves first. Number five, choose the right habits. This would make sense with all we've talked about because we've essentially already said this. Choose the right habits. What are the right habits? The habits that sacrifice now and pay off later. That's a poorly written, poorly said way, I'm, I'm admitting that, of saying that the consequences are in God's hands and they happen in God's time. What we do is we pursue the consequences we want now. Does that make sense? Right? We seek payoff now, sacrifice later. Daniel had been developing these habits his whole life. And this is why it's a no-brainer when Daniel 10 comes. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went, like, immediately, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He said, look, I'm going to trust that life with God is going to deliver God's results rather than life with the results I want without God. A lot of us just say, here's the results I want. If God gets me there, great. And if God doesn't get me there, then I'll find it another way. Daniel said, my hope has always been God and God alone. But you think about where that was forged. I told you, 15-year-old Daniel, 16-year-old Daniel, taken from his homeland lost likely much of his family to the brutality of war, and God preserved this young man's life. One day at a time, one moment at a time, one habit at a time, one decision at a time. 
Now, that's not to say Daniel was perfect. That's not to say you and I will be. What do we do when we fall short? We come back to grace. We live in the grace of Jesus. We ask him for forgiveness, and we go back to right lifestyle, right perspective, right heart, right motives, right habits. See, the key here, if you really want to stand out, like seriously, I don't know. How many on TikTok are here today, gone tomorrow? And I would bet you, in fact, I'd bet you a lot of cash, really. I'm not really a betting man, but I'd bet you a lot of cash. When I asked you to name people you respected before, and you said, yep, they earned it over a long, long period of time, you got that person in mind? You got those people in mind? (laughs) You didn't respect them because of TikTok. You respected them because they built a lifetime of integrity, character, consistency, competence. And it goes without saying that the person ultimately to do that in this world is the person of Jesus Christ. Is that fair? All right. We always end our services with two, two prayers. I want to pray both of them today. And I pray as we often do. The first is a prayer of salvation. And the second is a prayer of discipleship. It's a prayer of application for those of us that are already disciples of Christ. So salvation, if you need Jesus today, the story of Jesus is abundant and clear, and it's that we do fall short. It's that he came, that he was the life of integrity, that he was character, he was all of that, and he laid down his life to make the trade, right? That he laid down his life, that I receive his integrity and his grace and his forgiveness, and he takes my sins and my falling short. And he wipes those things away and he restores me to right relationship with God. That I can have God in my life because I have Jesus and his sacrifice in my life. If you need Jesus today, I pray that you would just ask him for forgiveness with me right now like this. You might be online, you might be right here in the room and you pray, dear Jesus, please forgive my sin and please take over my life And please work in my soul. And in the end, Jesus, make me like you, full of faithfulness, full of truth, full of grace, full of love, full of character. Lord, fill my life with you. Be my God, Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Building a lifetime of a relationship with Jesus has a starting point somewhere, that's it. And if you decided to follow Jesus today, I mentioned before, we're going to celebrate baptism next week. We would love to talk with you if you've never been baptized. We do baptism, we immerse in water, right? Under the water, out of the water. Beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We would love for you to be a part of that. Even if you're online, man, let me know on the digital communication card or let me know, email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N at harvestchurcheugene.com. All that said, I said we, we always end with two prayers. That prayer was for those of us that need salvation. A bunch of us have received salvation already. That was taken care of maybe a few years ago or a few decades ago. But we still need to apply this to our lives, be people of character. If you need that prayer, 
Would you pray it with me? In fact, every week I try to change this up just slightly, but if you need to be prayed for today and you want to pray this prayer with me, instead of praying it out loud, I want you to pray it in your heart and soul, but I want you to just reach out here, all right? Just, just reach out with your hand towards God. And I'm not asking them. In fact, close your eyes so nobody's looking, right? Just reach out here and pray this with me if you need this in your life. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life because I fall short. Help me to live in your grace because I know my goodness is not good enough. But because of your grace, help me to be more like you, Jesus. Help me to build a lifetime of integrity. Help me to make choices that honor you. Right lifestyle, right perspective, right heart, right motives, right habits. Make me like you, Jesus. And make our church like you. So that when this community sees us, they see you, Jesus. And your love and your grace. We pray in your name, Jesus. And to honor you. Amen. Amen. We end our services in different ways from time to time. Today we're going to end here, and so I'm going to dismiss us. But as I dismiss us, I want to challenge you to go in the goodness of Jesus, knowing that, that his goodness is pursuing you, as it says in the 23rd Psalm, for the rest of your days, for the rest of your life. Go knowing that the goodness of the Lord is pursuing you. Again, if I can serve you in some way, I'll be outside in just a moment. I would love to serve you, answer questions, help in any way I can. I love you guys. I love you online as well. Thanks for worshiping with us today.